Welcome to Inspired Insights, where we share our conversations with industry experts as we give insight into workforce trends and changes impacting HR and financial professionals. We will cover everything from employee engagement to compliance and regulations impacting your workforce success. Well, welcome to the Inspired Insights Podcast. Again, we're doing our, our summer series, The Future of HR, and I have a special guest today, Mike Kirchner. Mike, I'd, I'd love for you to, to, to just introduce yourself and maybe just tell your story briefly to the to the audience. And again, our topic's going to be the future of employee onboarding. And I know talking before we we, were, we started to hit record, I'm really excited about this topic and, and the future and, and what we're seeing out there in the, in the marketplace. But before we do that, well, would you mind just kind of introducing yourself? yourself? Yeah, happy to. And thanks for having me today. My interest in employee onboarding, I suppose, really started over 10 years ago. Back in my first graduate course or graduate semester, where I explored what a program to help support transitioning service members out of the military and into the non-military workplace looked like. And over the, those first few years, a, a lot of my research and how I operated as a practitioner in, in serving as the director of Veteran Resource Center at UW-Milwaukee, how do we help improve those transitions? There, there are so many veterans that experience transition challenges, lost sense of purpose, direction, and host of other issues. Well, as the years went by, I, I started to realize a lot of the transition issues that service members experience are not all that unlike the transition issues we all experience. Mm. Moving from either higher education to our first full-time professional career or professional role, or, or moving from one job to another, one industry to another, there's just an awful lot that's going on there. And I think we've tended to operate where we view ourselves as professionals or we, we view our newcomers as these parts that are going to fit into our operations. Uh, we, we've heard the term over the last few years, I'm just looking for a warm body. I'm, I'm just looking mm -hmm. for somebody to do the job. And I think it largely oversimplifies what it means to move from one organization and, and transition into another. And, and that's led to a decent amount of research and, and consulting work, helping organizations better improve how they onboard their new employees to, to hopefully improve not only their, their job readiness, but also their satisfaction and productivity. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's it's fascinating. I think that if we look back, you know, I uh, look back over, you know, either my career or, you know, other people that I know in their careers. And, and when we when you get together and talk about things, the employee onboarding process always comes up. Like you always talk about those organizations that you've been to that that when they get it right, you you feel like, again, it increases employee engagement. It helps you feel, you know, part of a team and, and it helps you get started really well. And I think that's, that's so key to that, to bringing those new employees on. And I guess we were talking a little bit before getting started about, you know, COVID and remote and, and hybrid teams. And we're recording now at you know, July, 2023. So we're through the pandemic part of it, but we, and it's almost like we're seeing articles now to pop up about, 
employees going back to the office and that being somewhat of a push now too. So I guess as the, the, you know, the work landscape continues to evolve, how do you see employee onboarding changing to, to meet the needs of remote and hybrid teams? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I've, I've talked with other researchers who explore onboarding and we've talked about what does virtual onboarding look like? How, how do we translate the, the best practices we use for, for on-site onboarding and, and make them equally as effective in virtual onboarding? And, mm-hmm. and the conversations are really interesting. There isn't a whole lot of confidence we can create virtual onboarding that is as impactful as that in-person onboarding experience. And I think it forces us to take a step back and ask ourselves, well, what are we looking for as employees, as newcomers when we transition into an organization? And what are the big frustrations we experience? I, I, I think we can distill those down to three particular questions or three issues. The first one being, do I feel a sense of purpose in my work? Mm. We all want to feel like we're contributing to something, hopefully something bigger. And we're absolutely seeing that through research with younger generations who don't view work as just a Monday through Friday, eight to five. I show up, I do my job, I get out. We, we want to feel something more. Mm. The second aspect that I think is critical is relates to, do I feel a sense of connection with my coworkers? Do, do I feel a connection with those who I, I work with on a day-to-day basis that I engage with? Do I feel like I'm developing and maintaining meaningful relationships? with these people? Do do I feel like I fit into the organization? And then the third question relates to, do I feel supported by my boss and or organization leaders? Mm. How many times have we heard the saying about employees don't quit their jobs, they quit their bosses? Sure. We want to feel like we're cared for. We want to feel like our organization leaders and our immediate supervisors care about us and are looking out for our best interests, that they're not always focused on on just the numbers and the productivity and and you you gotta meet your your quota for the day. It extends beyond that and and this simple recognition that we are people. I think it's those three questions as we look ahead to what virtual onboarding is going to look like we need to find a way to answer those questions or address those questions. Mm, yeah, those are so important. And I, I guess as you were talking, Mike, I maybe you could you could share some stories, you know, one or two stories here that talk about where companies are getting this right. Like, what are they doing to make sure that their employees, you know, new hires are coming on board? They're getting a sense of you know fulfilling those three questions. What are you seeing? What are some best practices? I guess that you you see HR managers doing to really start employees off on the right foot. I think an important starting point is recognizing the difference between new employee orientation and employee onboarding. Uh, yeah. So often. Organizations look at orientation as we've got a checklist. And orientation is complete when we get through that checklist. And 
But whereas HR professionals, we're wearing many different hats. And orientation is just one role we have in our organization. And so we got to get through that checklist as fast as possible. Mm. Well, as a newcomer, what ends up happening is I, I feel like I'm drinking out of a fire hose. Yes. I've got so much information coming at me that I, that I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with all of this information. How does this information relate to me as an employee? How does this information relate to the job I'm going to be doing? What of this information do I actually need to know on my first day versus information that could be shared with me weeks or even months later as I'm going through this socialization experience, as, an, as I'm acclimatizing to the organization? So, so that's an important aspect is not viewing onboarding as this checklist that mm. we have that we've got to get this get through all of this different information i think a second aspect relates to how are we involving that newcomer in the experience so much again related to orientation stems on is built around one-way communication mm. we're communicating everything we as an organization wants this newcomer to know you need to know about the history of our organization. You need to know about our mission. You need to know about why we're so amazing as an organization. We're experiencing all this growth. We're, you're going to love it here. Right. None of that is involving the newcomer. And so how many times have we heard about, yeah, they put me in a back room and, and had me watch five hours of videos by myself. <laughs> right. On, on day one as a brand new employee, Think about how we receive that, where, okay, I'm excited about this new job. I woke up extra early. I made sure I had the perfect outfit. I can't wait to get in there. And my first day was spent, hi, welcome. We've got you set up in the back room. Sit by yourself all day. Yeah, right. That's not a meaningful experience. That's not a, that's not a rewarding experience. And all we've done is negatively impact how I view the organization. We, we've already gotten off to a, off the wrong foot and, and now we've got some work to do to, to turn things around. Yeah, it just making sure that that experience starts off on the right foot is just, just so critically important. And that first day, right? I think to your point, that's just, you know, and I think with, with remote, it's just, you're right. I think in a lot of ways you're getting the, those videos sent to, you know, watch this, you know, just just check it off the checklist, right? But I think that, you know, if HR managers and HR teams will just be better off if they can really involve the employee from the beginning, getting them on the right track early, often, and, and getting that process you know, started will, you know, help, just help in, increase their productivity, I think, and, and their engagement. But I want to tackle learning styles too, because I know that, you know, the future workforce is more diverse, multi-generational. I mean, how can companies develop their their specific onboarding programs really to accommodate different, you know, different learning styles out there. Yeah. So there's, there's a couple aspects to this question. First off being, well, what do we mean by learning styles or learning preferences? Mm. And I, I teach this in one of my, my courses, one of my undergraduate courses, we, we talk about different training methods that we have at our disposal. We could, and, and whether that's a lecture, discussion, case studies, demonstrations, simulations, et cetera, et cetera. We all have all these different training methods. 
And we talk about how they tie into different learning styles or learning preferences. Largely, when we think about what our own learning preferences are, most of us tend to say, well, I, I, I like to learn by doing. I like experiential mm. learning or I like to see it. I like visuals and, and show me what I need to do. That makes perfect sense for a lot of different training. However, it really depends on the content. At the end of the day, when we're training new employees or we're training employees how to do any job, we do have to take a step back and ask ourselves, well, what is the training method that is going to be most impactful on this individual's learning? I love to use this example of an individual, a, a student who says, you know what, I love to learn by doing, but first I want to see it. I, I, I want you to show me how it's done first and then, and then I want to try it. On the job training, that can be a perfect example. But mm. if we're taking a course about bird sounds, I don't know how easy that's going to be to teach <laughs> right. visually sure. or doing. Sure. What this reminds us is our learning preferences, it, it's, it's sort of a feel-good thing, but at the end of the day, the, the approaches we're going to take, the training methods we're going to utilize really stems around what is going to help enhance transfer of knowledge from us as trainers, from us as HR professionals, to that newcomer. Mm. That's so that transfer of knowledge piece. That's 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 so critical. And have you seen companies that again that are that are doing this well? And maybe I'm maybe I'm gonna flip it back to like the employee. So are you would you encourage the employee to to give the HR team feedback on, hey, you know, I'm I thank you for sending all these videos over, but I just don't learn well this way. Is there a different option that I can use or utilize to to continue to, to get this information, the transfer of information? Would you recommend employees speaking up and saying, you know, this isn't this isn't my style, right? Can can you help me with other other accommodations? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Certainly, there's a lot of value in those videos. Right. I think what's important is we as organization leaders recognizing not all of this information has to be shoved down that newcomer's throat on day one. That's a good point. We can section off this content. On the first day, we can do 45 minutes of videos or 15 minutes of video. Introduce me to the organization and then let's spend some time meeting our new coworkers. And not just, hey, we're going to take you on a tour. Hey, this is Joe over here in finance. Talk to him about finance issues. This is Ted from, from marketing. You might talk to him at some point. And okay, so you see over there is Anna. She's, I'm not really meeting anybody. I'm, I'm somebody's being pointed to. They right. may do a friendly wave, but they're on a phone call. They're on a, they're just, I still don't feel like I'm actually acclimatizing to the organization. Give me some time with those employees, some mm. dedicated time where, they block off a half hour on their calendar in the first day. And we're not focused solely on job training. 
we're spending that time getting to know one another a little bit. Hey, how long have you been here? What's it like? Uh, how have you advanced in your career? Any advice you have for me that will help me be successful in this new role? Mm. Any advice that you have for me that will help me fit in to the organization's culture? Mm -hmm. Those are intentional efforts that are helping me not only make that successful transition into the organization, but I'm also starting to see myself become part of the organization. Yeah, and I think one one thing that that we do here, TruePay, is we we have an initial your first week, for example, is it's called the TruePay experience. And what you do, to your point, Mike, is you're actually spending time with people that you may or may not be working with, but you get to know them. And really, that's a, that, that's week one. That's that's what you're really going to do is is spend time getting to know people. And a lot of it's it's personal on a personal level is just getting to experience um, what their experience is like at, at TruePay and and what they what they do. And, and again, it's more like getting to know you, your family, those types of things and starting to develop those relationships. So I think it's just, it's your point, that's so critical to, yeah, take take your time. You don't need to do, you don't need to do it all in one day. Just don't spread it out a little bit and, and give you know the employees the chance, new employees the chance to meet the ones that are already there. And then they get to know each other. So I think that's that's wonderful information. I think that's awesome. And I think you know, to our next point, how does that lead to then overall retention and you know in job satisfaction? I, I would assume, and it's it's probably a no-brainer here that you know a good onboarding experience is gonna lead to those to increases in those things. But maybe speak to that a little bit and maybe what you've seen, you know, how can an, a wonderful new employee onboarding experience translate into keeping employees long-term and overall increasing their job satisfaction? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. When we look at turnover rates, they are always, always, always highest amongst employees that are within their first three months or six months with an organization. That should really tell us something. That should be a, a, a jarring for us when we recognize the employees that make it through those first six months or that first year, we're doing a much better job of retaining them than we are for those brand new employees. What that should tell us is we need to make sure we're finding the right people for hire and we're treating those newcomers as an investment when it comes to their onboarding experience. It's not about that checklist. It's not about talking how great we've been as an organization, how amazing our history is, because that doesn't mean anything to me. It, it doesn't make a big difference to me. What I want to feel like is you're taking time out of your day. You're, you're, you're not only ready for me when I show up. And so, hey, it's great to see you. Welcome. We're thrilled to have you today. That in itself, right there, lets me know they're ready for me. Mm. They're interested in me. They're, they're ready for what this day is going to look like. I, I think we've all had those experiences where we walk into that job on the first day and it's a little bit of deer in headlights and everyone looking around like, oh, <laughs> do we have anything for them today? Do we have anything? Again, right. what are we communicating to that newcomer? And as the newcomers, we're seeing it. We feel it. Oh, this doesn't feel right. Oh, maybe they should have just waited until tomorrow to have everything ready. Am I an inconvenience today? Right. Wow. 
the organizations that are doing it right are ready up front. Not only have they done a really good job diagnosing that job and identifying all the required attributes to be successful in both the job and the organization, but they've also screened for all of those attributes. Mm. We're hiring people that are going to fit into our culture. That requires having a really good understanding of what our culture is. How many organizations say, oh, we have a family-like culture. We all look out for each other. We all take care of each other. And we value work-life balance. These are all feel-good statements. Right. But is that what it actually looks like in practice? We have to have a good understanding of who we are as an organization, find those people, and then when it comes to that onboarding experience, reinforce all of those things. Not only reminding that newcomer about what our culture is and what it looks like to fit in, but simply investing in them, not only in their training to perform their new job, but really their development as employees in our organization. You said something there, Mike, about about culture, and I I, I love talking about you know, different cultures. How important, and I think you probably already answered the question a little bit, but how important is culture to new employee onboarding? I would think it's absolutely critical. But you know, what what are your thoughts around around culture and and how it could really impact the employee onboarding experience? I still think it it starts with. Who are we recruiting and what are we communicating through that recruitment process? This takes me back to what, what we call realistic job previews. How often when we're sitting in interviews or reading job postings, are is the organization communicating all the great things about the organization? the benefit packages we offer, the flexibility, the autonomy, the, the, the advancement opportunities. We spend all of this energy talking about the amazing things about working with the organization. And what that does is it creates an unrealistic image about what it's going to be like as an employee. We all have those friends and we've all likely been there ourselves where we get hired into a new job. And we are so excited and we're telling our family and friends about, oh, they got this, they got this. I'm, I'm so excited. And all oh, the, the, the hiring manager seems super cool. And I, they've got a softball team and I think it's going to be really cool. And they got tuition reimbursement. We show up with that same level of excitement. And what often happens, we have these expectations that become unmet or we have these surprises that, oh, they didn't tell me about this. They, they didn't tell me that even though the, the workday is supposed to end at five, there's a lot of times where we have to stay until six. And then at the end of the quarter, that they call it hell week or whatever, <laughs> because right. all these reports. And so, yeah, that week I, I found out I'm going to have to work at least 70 hours. And, and it's just something that we have to do. And, and the list goes on and all of a sudden it, it just feels like these these little punches in the gut. I wish I would have known what it was actually going to be like. That starts with a realistic job preview. When we're honest and authentic with our new employees about what it's actually like to work there, well, we're building up some of that trust. We're demonstrating we value them as people. Just because we're providing a realistic job preview 
doesn't mean we're bashing our organization. Every organization has challenges. Every organization has problems. Sure. I, I, I love the example of an organization I, I worked with a, a few years ago. They decided to move from a five-day, eight-hour workday to four-day, 10-hour workdays. And on the surface, many of us say, oh, that's exciting. That means I get a three-day weekend, which is exactly how they viewed it. But there was a, a percentage of their employees who did not like this change at all. The parents. Hmm. Why? <laughs> well, I need daycare. Most of the time in that eight-hour workday, I can, I can be at home, I can be taking care of my kids, make sure they get on the bus, and I can get home by the time they're done with school at the end of the day. Now you're forcing me to do four tens. Now I've got to find somebody to watch my kids in the morning and or in the evening because right. a realistic job preview isn't just about the problems or here's the bad things and you need to know about this. It really is, here's what it's like to work here. That also gives us an opportunity to get in front of the problems in front of those challenges. Here's some things we try to do to minimize the impact of these challenges for our employees. Yes, we recognize they exist. Here's something that we're trying to do, or here's something employees have done in the past or currently do to minimize the impact of those challenges. Again, when I'm talked to like that, I feel like you really value who I am as a person, and you're not just looking at me as this puzzle piece that you have to do this job in order for us to maintain our production levels or, or whatever. Right. I love that. The realistic job preview. That's, that's, that's fascinating. And you're right. That if that lines up from the beginning and, and on that first day, I think that those, the, the culture and then that shaping up together, I think that's, that's wonderful. And, and, and again, absolutely critical to the, to the success of, of the employee. But I know, again, we're talking about the future of, of onboarding today. So uh, to wrap it up, Mike, maybe put our futuristic hats on here and and fast forward to you know seven years from now or so. It's 2030, and um, what are we talking about when it comes to to employee onboarding? How do you see that evolving and taking shape here in the next decade? I, I see this continued divergence, and as organizations emphasize increasingly gig workers and yeah. contractors. The mindset with onboarding will increase toward that efficiency. Get through everything as fast as possible because we're unlikely to retain them for very long anyway. And so we're just going to do it as fast. We're just going to do it as fast and they can they can click on all these different links and once it's done, then they sign off and then they have all the information. We've got the, we've got the autograph, so it means they've learned everything they need. The flip side is the organizations who are actually committed to their workforce, to developing and retaining their workforce, there will be a much greater interest and investment into creating robust onboarding experiences that are not done in a day or they're not complete in a week. It's a much more robust experience that lasts for months at a time. We're not only committed to acclimating that newcomer into their job, we truly want them to feel like they're a part of the organization. 
That's great stuff. Well said. And Mike, how can the audience get a hold of you if they want to learn more about you, what you do, and and just and connect with you? Yeah, I'm an associate professor of organizational leadership at Purdue University, Fort Wayne, and also the founder of Time for Development, a consulting company where I help organizations not only diagnose their employee onboarding, satisfaction, retention issues, but also provide leadership development workshops related to everything from effective communication, team building, to diversity and inclusion, and training and employee training and development. Wonderful. Well, Mike, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Loved our conversation. And again, it's so critical to HR teams and especially the HR team of the future. And just want to thank you again for your time. Thank you, Brian. I enjoyed it.